first episode, man. Grant, thanks for joining me. I know you're helping me produce this show and get things rolling. Uh, how's it going? It's going good. Uh, what you drinking? <laughs> get right to the whiskey, huh? <laughs> uh, um, that is the most important part of this entire podcast is, is drinking whiskey while we have the conversation. It's how right. we form our sentences in the poor ways they will be formed. <laughs> Born and raised in the Midwest, right? <laughs> That's right. That's our Wisconsin blood. Um, so I'm actually drinking one of my favorites. I think it's my absolute favorite, Tennessee whiskey. Uh, they were originally around um, pre-prohibition, uh, and they unfortunately floundered in 1909 due to Tennessee's own prohibition. Um, the great-great-grandkids, I think great-great-great-grandkids, three times uh, great, found the old distillery that their uh, grandfather had originally created when he had emigrated here from Germany. And they decided, hey, let's start that up. Let's start, let's, let's make the family, um, take up the family name and do this. And they had the same last name, so they were able to keep all the copyrights and keep everything going. So in 2012, I think it was, they uh, restarted the distillery, started making some Bellmead bourbon, uh, which everyone's very familiar with. It's a pretty popular bourbon across the, the states now. Distribution's pretty big. Um, and back in the day, they used to make Bellmade Bell 2, but they finally just released with the same exact recipe and the same exact label, label uh, Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Handmade Sour Mash Whiskey. Um, and I'm going to show the camera here just to, to show the label. It is a beautiful label, um, and it is to die for. It is my absolute favorite uh, sipping Tennessee whiskey, non-bourbon. I'm more of a bourbon drinker, but sometimes the Tennessee whiskey is good. Very caramely, full of vanilla. Um, it even has like a, the, on, on the back notes is very cinnamon and uh, sweet, which a lot of whiskeys don't kind of it tapers off too soon. And I think this has a really like real long palate of the mouth. And I, I love that. Um, but it, it's, it's very good. And uh, this will be what I'm sipping tonight. So what do you have in your hand? That's awesome. That, that sounds excellent. I'm, I'm actually been looking for you've been talking it up for so long. I really want to try that at some point. And obviously it's not available here in Wisconsin yet. But uh, this is actually just a limited release uh, distillers cut of Jim Beam. Jim Beam's my usually uh, my go to bourbon whiskey. Definitely my favorite. I can just drink it straight and I, often a little bit too much. But yeah, um, I only bring it out for very special occasions. And I thought what better occasion than our inaugural uh, episode. Absolutely. Well, I got to ask you before we go any further. So I see you have ice in there. Are you usually a, an ice man or a neat man? What, what does it depend yeah. on? I'm rocks all the way. Yeah, rocks. Yeah, I, for me it depends, especially if like if it's a it's a warm summer day. I'm outside in the heat, having a nice cigar, having conversation with people around a picnic table or something in the sun. I'm gonna want something cooler. Um, but usually I like it neat. However, I will yeah. say with scotch, and as as the podcast goes on, we'll explore more of my palate. But uh, scotch, I will like a little, just a couple drops of water. It really brings out some aromas. And I'm also learning how to aerate whiskey now, which I only thought was a wine thing, but hey, science. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gotta love it. Absolutely. So, all right. So this is the first uh, podcast that we're doing to put on the, the site and on our YouTube channel. And for all you out there listening, uh, we're uh, launching this on June 1st. This is when this will be available. Um, and it's going to be on Spotify, YouTube. It'll be on our website. We're going to try to put the RSS feed for all the different podcast platforms to be available. Um, we are new to this. We're just going to have some fun. And, you know, we're not really in this to make any kind of money. If we end up making some side cash or doing whatever, great. But that's not the point of this. A lot of people get into this thinking they're going to make a quick, easy buck. And it's, that's not easy. You're not all going to be Joe Rogan. Um, Joe Rogan got there because he was doing stuff prior to podcasting. Um, but you know, 
I would be remiss if I didn't ask for you to throw some help our way. We do have a Patreon account, and the links are in the description. We also have a, a PayPal for donations. If you if you do like our content, if you do want us to keep going and help us out, just to pay our monthly subscriptions for certain things like our, our yeah, website. I, I, so I was going to add in that every little bit of it's going to probably go back into the show, especially in this first year or so. And I'd love to do it, you know, just keep doing it. Like a year is uh, pretty hopeful. Oh yeah, thought, but uh, you know, we're yeah, like you said, we're just starting off, and uh, so far it's been a lot of fun. I mean, we were obviously friends here in Milwaukee, um, and uh, we've since. I mean, obviously, we've been very isolated these last couple of months for obvious reasons, but yeah. uh, it's been great. Just uh, at least bi-weekly talking to you guys pretty regularly, and uh, I think it's uh, you know, yeah, brought our uh, relationships closer together. Our friendship has uh, strengthened because of it too, and uh, yeah, I want to keep it fun. No, I, I, I agree. I, I will say, too, it's it's funny how, you know, we had the technology to use Zoom and Skype and Facebook Messenger video chat and I, and FaceTime and whatnot. And none of us did that until now when we were when we were actually required to. Um, yeah. You know, we maybe a phone call here or there or a text, but never a face to face like this. But now I will say with all my work meetings and talking to friends and I, I do Sunday Zooms with my uh, with some friends across the country just to catch up. I'm dreaming in face tiles, screen tiles of, of people now. Like, I don't know how to interact with actual human beings. It's, it's right. getting bad. <laughs> um, well, anyway, so let's just go into it because that, that's a good launching point. COVID-19 is obviously the big current affair right now. But yeah. everyone's forgetting that. I don't know. I shouldn't say that. People aren't forgetting. But it, it's kind of overshadowing the fact that it's on the eve of the 2020 election that's happening in not that many months away, what, November? So we don't know what's going to happen this summer. We don't know how, how, how things are going to go open up. If the Democratic National Convention is going to happen in Milwaukee uh, in June, I, they pushed it back, I think, to July. I'm not 100% sure. And I think they're trying to look at doing it just for one or two days rather than the three or four that it was supposed to be. And yeah. they might even still do it virtually. So, you know, Lots of things that we have to think about. And also voting. You know, mail-in voting is a giant contention point right now. And Republicans mm. think that they don't do as well with mail-in voting. And there's higher uh, risk for voter fraud. But, I mean, regardless, we have another election um, that is going to be one of the most divisive and uh, eye-rolling elections in our nation's history. <laughs> That's an interesting way to put it. I've never heard that eye rolling. Yeah, that's uh, that's weirdly accurate. Well, if you if you think about it, we we like twenty sixteen happened, and it was after the eight years we had President Obama. And whether yeah. you like Obama or not, you have to agree that he is a great orator. He is he's eloquent when he speaks. He he's very presentable. He he oozes that John Kennedy type presidential factor, right? Oh, yeah. He looks the part. Um, and it was a monumental thing for to have, you know, the first African American president who had all this this hopey, changey talk in the very beginning of, of his of his political career, uh, coming from Chicago, right? He had this amazing story, and for worse or for better, he he did the job, right? He didn't have much controversy. He didn't really have that many issues. Uh, he just kind of did his job, and it was on the heels of President Bush and the the horrible economy that had been given to him. Not necessarily Bush's fault completely, but, you know, I think we've been set up for a, a really up and down economy from the beginning. I think it doesn't matter. It just happens to be in those shoes. And Obama, for whether you don't like him or don't or, or do like him, he at least had this leadership quality. He was 
he was agreeable in a, in a lot of ways. Even if he didn't agree with what he was saying or what his policy subs- or, uh, prescription was, he still was able to talk to you. He Just like Bush. But George Bush had this, like, I could sit down and have a beer with him. That was his entire appeal. Mm-hmm. So that, whatever. Politics aside, that you can't disagree with just them as people. But then you go to 2016 and you have uh, the horrible divisiveness in the DNC versus Bernie and Hillary. Bernie, who is this old white guy who looks like he's crazy, has crazy hair, but he's a nice old grandpa who who you could probably give a hug to, and you could tell that he he does really emotionally care about people. I believe, and that. he's consistent too. That's a big one. Yeah, yeah, for the past forty years, he's been consistent on the on the Senate floor, and before yeah. that, the House. But um, uh, you know, but he has very left wing socialist progressive ideas that a lot of people who are are right of center uh, don't even think it is possible or even worth looking at. And fine, but you can't disagree that he's a nice guy. I, I'm I'm pretty sure I've heard representatives on the right, like Dan Crenshaw or um, Ted Cruz, say that Bernie's a great guy. Like that we Rick Santorum, I think, was on Bill Maher talking about how much of a nice guy Bernie is. They just don't agree with the policies, and I think I think that is so important, and it's lacking right now. Hillary did not have that. Hillary had that exclusively on the left, and exclusively on the left after Bernie lost. It's like they, that was their option. It's like she was waiting in line for her turn. And she also just has no likability, no electability. And then the other side was Trump. Out of the field of 17 Republican candidates who all had their shortcomings, as all the left uh, candidates did, but they went with Trump. A game, sh- a game show host that we never thought was going to get into pol- political life. He just likes to talk out of the side of his mouth and tweet and, you know— He's a he's a, sh- a game show host. He likes to go off the cuff, and it works for him. He's a marketing genius. Say what you will about Trump, but he knows how to play the camera. He really does. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, and so, we, of course, that election happened. We know what happened. We know who won. We know the pollsters were wrong. Everything was just crazy. But my point is that we went from Obama, who was more of a an even-keeled type, like, okay, we disagree. Uh, yes, of course, there were some... Uh, you know, flames that were fanned here and there, and there were protests here and there, and you know, gun rights and you know, all these hot button issues that were that still existed back then, of course. But they never felt the way to the degree that they are today. And Trump won. And whether he's doing a good job or not, I'm not one to say. I'm not a big fan of how he speaks. My biggest point has always been rhetoric matters. Mm-hmm. Policy to me nowadays is so secondary because we our culture needs to change. We cannot continue to be this divisive. So now 2020 comes along out of the field of 20,000 Democrats that were running, it seemed like. You had lots of qualified, wonderful people. And then you also had some people that didn't even seem qualified but were qualified after you listened to them more. Andrew Yang, a business guy who's never been a politician, had all these crazy ideas. You go to his – I shouldn't say crazy – had these really insightful and innovative ideas. Yeah, they look a lot less crazy now, right? Yeah, right, yeah, yeah exactly. Months, yeah. Universal basic income might become something we need. He just released a report before we got on this chat that 43% of the businesses or the, the workforce that was lost during COVID-19 will not return. Yeah. So what do you do with those people? It's not their fault that this happened. It partly is government's fault because of, of, of the the shooting from the hip type like, oh, we got to close everything down because none of us knew to the extent what this would what this virus would be. Yeah. But so Andrew Yang was was kind of shushed from the beginning. Um, there was even reports from the first couple of debates that they were um, 
turning his mic off or silencing his mic so that the their prime candidates Kamala Harris and Biden and Elizabeth Warren could speak. Um, but you know, Tulsi Gabbard, I'm a big fan of her. Um, and not again, not for because of policy. I, I think because of the rhetoric, the way they talk about their policy, the way that they want to approach the problems in a way that doesn't dismiss half the country. It isn't my way or the highway. It's our way. We have to figure out how to do this together because we can just because Trump won and just because, you know, we might think some of his voters are insane for ever having voted for him. That's not fair to those voters. They, there's a reason why right. Trump won, and and Yang was Yang was big on that. He he knew that there the reason why Trump won is because of the failings of the Democrats and the and the establishment GOP. Everyone yeah. felt lost, and they wanted this, whether they agreed with him or not. They wanted this new change, and for the Democrats to not realize that, and now they're putting up Joe Biden. Who yeah, I was is, say, now who's our prospective Democratic candidate going into this election? Right. Well, let's let's break let's let's touch on that. Like, what what is what are some of the the the, the issues you see with with putting someone like Biden up in this election at this time against Trump? Uh, um, <laughs> Where do you start? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I well, um, I think number one for me is the fact that it feels as if the left or I shouldn't say the left, the Democratic Party, the Democratic establishment, so misses Obama. Mm-hmm. They, they, they think that taking Biden um, will be their return to grace, which, fine. I understand that because it was the vice president. He was very close to Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, but Biden wasn't anything, really, except for a long-term senator, until Obama picked him as vice president. Right. His record's a little spotty on criminal justice. He he never was for anything that the Democrats or the progressive had been for. And all of a sudden, he's now touting these progressive ideas that he never agreed with. And he's just kind of this, it's like Weekend at Bernie's, Weekend at Biden's. Like he's he's up there just kind of saying what the, the DNC platform is like a puppet, right? Right. He, 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 so that that's my initial issue. My initial issue is that he's running on the coattails of Obama. It's okay. like it's almost like he's just saying in all his ads, you know, okay, we want we want to fix the spirit of the country. And so the argument is that the spirit of of, this, of the country has been broken because of Trump, which to me isn't true. Trump isn't the cause. He is a side effect. And I'm not saying that's a bad side effect. A side effect is is, is just a side effect, right? It's good or bad. He is he getting the presidency is just a result of where our culture headed. And okay. for Biden to say that we need to restore the spirit of this country, it's kind of the same way we scratch our head when 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 Donald Trump says, make America great again. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, even in our worst times, we've still been pretty much the greatest country on in the world with the most freedom and the most, you know, generally, we've had some dark times, that's for sure. But right. what, is, what does make America great again really mean? Again... Should we can we make it like better or I don't know. That's the same way Biden is saying let's fix the spirit of this country. No, no, you just want to go back to what Obama's doing. It's like I can read in between the lines every time he says it. It's like, um, hey, remember Obama? I was his vice president. Let's go back to when things were great. Right. 
Well, let's let's take a look at because you before we earlier were talking about and you started off with Obama and how he was this very stately candidate and starting off he had this just this message of hope and he was very well spoken and and obviously he went from that to Trump and now let's take a look at like Biden versus Obama like do you think that he possesses those similar stately ability to just speak or like well. He I, he did twenty years ago. <laughs> okay. Uh, How about now? No, I, I um, Biden has always been kind of a rambler. If you watch okay. any of his speeches on on C-SPAN, uh, again they archive everything from the Senate floor, um, and of course when he was vice president, he kind of rambles. He he doesn't really he's unable to focus on a point very well. Mm-hmm. Um, he just kind of. And I'll, I'll tell you what, and this is what's important, and this is, and, 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 and another thing, and this is what I, and then I'll tell you, I'll tell you, look here, look here, Jack, I'm going to tell you this, and it's, he's all over the place, and he, 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 he does it worse now, um, I, I, I really hate to say that he's in cognitive decline, even though it's so clear to me, I'm not a doctor, and I don't want to go down that path of, of saying, clearly this man has dementia, because, you know, of speculating just based off of like his yeah. Yeah, speaking ability. Yeah. But and, I mean, it's, I mean, it, it's, it, there's a definite, I mean, you, people would always bring up with Trump, like you would read like what he said in quotation form and you'd be like, I can't make sense of this. And you look at what Biden says and like write that out and trying to read it. It's like on a different level of, I, I don't understand what's being said here. Like you said, there's a rambling, but on top of that, there's like, there's an inability to like, finish a point or like bring it to I, I yeah it's just it's very all over the place and he gets lost in thought and i i wonder like when you actually if like so say we actually do have like in-person debates in like october before the november election right like what does that look like between these two people like if we do actually put up biden as like this is who's going to run against this person like compare that to hillary in any of the debates from the last election yeah well i tell you what hillary <laughs> Hillary could wipe the floor with Joe Biden. Hillary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She, you know, whether you like her or not, I mean, even Trump admitted that he respects her fight. He he respects mm-hmm. her tenacity. She is a strong-willed, um, you know, if it weren't for her politics and her political record and her her corruption that, to me, is so clear. I mean, any, any, any politician of that level has skeletons in their closet i mean that's just gonna it's part of the job unfortunately nowadays it really shouldn't be and that should be what we're focusing on changing and maybe that's what trump was was they everyone thought that okay well he's a businessman you know corruption in the business world isn't the same as corruption in the political world because political world you have bigger implications corruption in the business world you're just kind of stepping on a couple people to build a building um that's how people perceive it right i'm not saying that's how it is but um hillary has if it weren't for those things, I would tell every you know young woman in America to look up to her as the shining beacon of amazing uh, strength and what women can accomplish. Um, but there's so many other better examples than Hillary Clinton. Right. I mean, uh, Oprah. I mean, uh, uh, come on. There, there. She. But that, okay. That being said, that's that's a that's a rabbit hole. I don't want to go down. But. Um, that being said, she would wipe the floor with Joe Biden because she has the ability to make concise and coherent thought. Biden, it's like this. I don't know what happened because 
I don't remember him being this terrible when he spoke back during the Obama years. And maybe it is cognitive. Maybe he's just getting older. Maybe it's getting more difficult. Who knows? But if whenever you watch the videos of him being in a rally or during the campaign or on the debate stage or or now when he's in his basement with Zoom, like mm-hmm. I don't trust. I don't. I don't know if that rhetoric is better than Trump, who also speaks very poorly. I think. I think they both speak at like a fourth or fifth grade level, and that's what we're electing. Those are the choices we have. I don't mean to be mean, but is that what the people of the country are going to respond to at this point? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, what, do you, I, what do you think that What do you think they would respond to? Like really, truly. I, Past just the populism of Trump or anything like that. Like, what, who's the who's the ideal candidate that you could put up? Justin Amash, so, get back in the race. Okay. Uh, I, that's. I mean, that's that's a, <laughs> that's a that's a libertarian uh, dream, right? And I, I'm fairly libertarian, but I'm also like I, I'm not I'm not the libertarian that's arguing for everyone should have the right to own a nuke, um, right. which which happened on C-SPAN. It, it, someone back in the day argued. Based on principle, to be consistent across the platform, yes, it's a terrible <laughs> idea, but people should own nukes. No, that, like, I think there's a – the Libertarian Party has gotten so far in the weeds of, of silliness. Mm-hmm. I mean, Vermin Supreme is leading the, the party right now. He has the most votes, and – Yeah, that's sad. Yeah, and he's, he's, a, <laughs> he's a satirical candidate. And, and if, you, if you look at any, like – you look at the two-party system and any, like – actual like like part of the spectrum that could be put up as a legitimate third party you usually look to the libertarian party right so that's that's what makes it like almost devastating it's like that's that's who's the like that that's who we have right now well it's a joke you think about it too they are the true independent right now because you have on on the right you have uh well not, not not the gop because the gop in the last how many years has not given given a shit about spending like right. our deficit has gone way up under Trump. Our deficit went way up under Bush. Yes, the deficit also went way up under Obama. Guess what? It doesn't matter who's in office, Republican or Democrat. The deficit will keep going up because none of you do what you say you're going you're going to do. Um, and you keep spending money on things. It's like it's like the military spending. It's like it's not about the spending. It's not the amount you spend. It's how you spend it. Why is it so difficult to make that argument? The libertarians do. The libertarians understand that you need to have. Like socially liberal things, like do what the hell you want. If you want to have gay marriage, get gay married. If you want to do this, do that. It is not any skin off my back. And also, I don't want to tax you. I don't want to spend more than we, than we have. I want right. less government and, and and empower the people, allow innovation to occur. And there are certain things we can look at and different nuances and case by case basis for all these different things, right? But COVID nineteen has shown now that. Like overregulation has restricted our ability in local communities to respond adequately, and now we're all looking to the federal government, watching Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks on TV every day. Oh, please, what will you do? Oh, please, another stimulus check, Mr. Trump. That that's we can't rely, we can't do that, and we can't continue that. And now libertarians are are now kind of starting to come out of the woodwork, being more of a a fruitful idea house. But and then Justin Amash, who is a former Republican. Uh, now I think now he's independent in the in the House out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. He's for all intents and purposes a libertarian. He's not card carrying, but he was running for the Libertarian Party and uh, for his exploratory campaign. And he I think he spent like three weeks with them and said, Nah, no, this ain't gonna work. 
because the party itself is kind of a joke. And they also have a, a, a they are very cannibalistic, just like the Democrats are. They don't like people who don't have the same exact thoughts. It's like you want any semblance of government. You're not a libertarian. I'm sorry. I, I, I want there to be street signs. Like, like we should have a happy medium, right? A conversation. But so this is to, to your point. What, what do people respond to? I think people respond to emotion. Mm-hmm. And I think Trump offers that the emotion of anger and and uh, I don't know, lust for change and 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 getting rid of the swamp. And this is all terrible. And things are you know, American carnage, like he said in his his inaugural address. Things things that make people very uh, angry and call to arms. And you know, not that they're going to do anything bad, but they just they, they you feel it. Like yeah, screw the system. This is stupid. That you know, everyone in Washington sucks, and Trump said so, and I like him. Okay, people respond to that. Biden's not offering an alternative. He's just saying Trump's bad. The orange man is bad, and therefore vote for me. You know, and if if you're not voting for me, for me, then you ain't black, as his current quote that's circulating because he says stupid things. I mean, he was on Charlemagne the God's uh, radio show, Breakfast Club, and he said that. How how are you the Democratic nominee? And that's the list of things that are coming up against Biden, not to include the recent allegations made about him. Yeah, I mean, we don't want to like get into that. Like, that's a whole different conversation we can bring up. No, but it's they're um, all disqualifying for me. They are all disqualifying. And the Democratic Party had a bunch of uh, quality candidates that they didn't give any kind of time to, because I think I think deep down they knew that they wanted Biden. Biden was their guy. They thought it was the safest bet. It was the easiest way to beat Trump. And everyone knew him. Name recognition. Why would you risk the party and the, the presidency on Pete Buttigieg, who doesn't have that much experience and can't even get the black vote? Well, here's what I heard recently was that, I, I mean, this is like pretty outlandish. Like, there's no basis for this, but it's like it, it makes a lot of sense where it's like, OK, we know we can't beat Trump with this old deteriorating white man. Like, that's not realistic. Well, we're just gonna have to give this one up. We'll just throw John Kerry in there, and oh, like he's not God. gonna be Bush, yeah. And and we'll save the young, prospective one like Buttigieg next time. Next time, you know, for when well, we don't have to put him up against Orange Man, you know. I did. Like, are I they did. just are they just calling it in before it is even over? Like are they just like oh, we can't get this one, but put Biden in there, I guess it'll be fun, I guess. Well, like, what do you, I, I did. heard that. From multiple I, people. I've heard that too with Andrew Cuomo because he's being hailed as the hero from New York who's handling coronavirus fairly well. Um, out of a very dense population, you know, how difficult is that to to deal with in New York City? I can't even imagine, but I don't know. I, I think I think the Democrats have failed to learn from their past mistakes. And, you know, not that I want them to, but I also don't want I, I like I, I want the GOP and, and the Democratic Party to just go away. Like, you need to reform. Like, I mean, and anyone who's making the argument that, well, the Democrats are the party of slavery because the Democratic Party were of the South, and, like, that's not the that's same. A it was a hundred at this point, though. It's like, right. yeah, it's over a hundred years ago, you know? Right. Like, same with the Republicans. The Republicans originally were the, the, the party that were against slavery. They formed in Wisconsin to stop slavery, and Abraham Lincoln was a Republican. Nowadays, he'd be a Democrat based on just general social policy. But yeah, it, why, yeah. do, why does that point even matter? The point is the duopoly, duopoly and, and uh, two-party system needs to stop. It need, it, we need to have fresher ideas or at least have two parties that are willing to have a conversation with people that they don't agree with 100%. 
Why are we why are we cannibalizing Tulsi Gabbard because we don't agree with her foreign policy 100%? Oh, oh, she goes on Fox News, so therefore we don't like her. That I mean that that's why that's what Biden represents to me. Biden in the same way Hillary does is the establishment saying that we don't like ideas that are not our own. It's our it's it's the good old boys club. And you know, here we are in 2020 and everyone's scratching their heads and, you know, saying, what the hell? And the Democrats are, are like, they're split again because everyone's pissed off that Bernie didn't get up there again. And I'm laughing. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. But you both don't know how to fix your shit. Right. I mean, right. the GOP's leader is Trump. That's kind of crazy. I, I think I think you made a really great point in there. And I think it would it would be great to to bring that out to a close here is that the point is to have that conversation to like, like, like you can speak to it all you want to heal the divide between then the country and Biden can say that shit like to death. But at a certain point, it's like, you're still going to hold a virtual rally here in Milwaukee to kind of save face. And like, you can only put them out for five minutes at a time because you can't actually like have a conversation without making a joke that blows up his campaign in <laughs> one foul swoop. Like it's, it's, it's a joke. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, give him enough time and a mic, he'll probably talk about his leg hair again. Right. I mean, God. That, <laughs> I, yeah, I know. I, I, the point is that both parties fail to acknowledge um, innovative, inclusive ideas. They they don't like to have conversations outside their bubble. Although I will say that Republicans generally are more, um, I guess, unafraid to go onto. Opposing networks like Tommy Lahren went on Bill Maher. Ted Cruz talks to MSNBC a lot. Like they they aren't afraid to confront. And guess what? That confrontation and challenging of your ideas flushes your ideas out and makes them better. Yeah. You, you 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 sit down in a board meeting with your company and you have a bunch of ideas and you talk about things. And there might be ninety nine bad ideas, but one good idea. But of those ninety nine bad ideas, more ideas might come out of those ideas right so you, like the conversation needs to happen and the democratic party right now represents a closed door mentality we want only what we want period doesn't matter what the voters want doesn't matter what the republicans what the republicans want it's our way or the highway and trump is bad trump has a lot of shortcomings and i will criticize him until i'm blue in the face just as i will the democrats just as oh, i will absolutely. nancy pelosi oh, yeah. everybody yeah. but the point is there's a reason why he's there there's a reason why this divisiveness is happening it's not just the gop the Democrats are almost equally or if not more to blame for how this has all happened. And Joe Biden is not the answer. Four, four years of Joe Biden right now with the stress of the presidency. I mean, God, could you imagine what's going to happen if something terrible happens to this country with Joe Biden who can't even speak properly? I, I, at the risk of running this way too long, but I, I, I just want to bring know, up this one going. last point that's been in my head is that. What I've seen this point made a lot too, where it's like, okay, we acknowledge that Biden is a terrible candidate. It's gonna be, a, it's just gonna be like a horrible disaster with just him at the head. But we're not voting for him. We're voting for his cabinet. We're voting for the people that he brings in. Like, what do you say to that? And to try and bring us, bring us into a, a, fi a actual final point. Yeah, <laughs> I'll make a final point, and then we'll we'll stop this. I don't want to ramble too much about how terrible <laughs> Joe Biden is, even though I could do it all night. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, you can also do it about Trump. To be fair, like it's it, that's what I'm. I I equally hate both parties. To be one hundred percent clear, um, <laughs> there's the whiskey fueled opinions we promised. Yeah, there's the whiskey fueled <laughs> opinions. I hate everyone. Um, 
except for Justin Amash, please get back in the race. <laughs> um, no, I, so I understand that. I understand that a lot of, of the, the, the liberal vote is, is hoping that Biden makes just better decisions as far as who's he, who's appointing, um, the Supreme court. Um, I get that, but the, the problem with that though, is you're not making any arguments for the future. You're not making policy arguments. You're still making the arguments that Trump is bad. And if you're, if you're not, if you're, you're, if your platform is so hollow that the only genuine thing you can you can run on is that you're better than the other guy, you're not that great. You know, yeah, okay, you might make a decent Supreme Court pick. You might make a a good uh, cabinet pick. Guess what? Trump did those things. Neil Gorsuch is is an incredible scholar, and he's one of the top, you know, guys right now in the Supreme Court. He's great. And a lot of liberals are going to shake their heads and go, "Whoa, he's against abortion. It's like, no, he's not. He's an independent judge who has the same voting record as Merrick Garland, who Obama was trying to appoint. Mm-hmm. And he's agreed with Kagan and Sotomayor on a couple cases already. They're not liberal or, 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 or conservative. You have to, we have to get out of that political space for the court. That's a big point, though, right now for Roe v. Wade. They want to preserve that. And, you know... I, I Trump also did with with uh, Mattis, General Mattis, who's since uh, I was going to say retired. That's not true. He quit. <laughs> um, he quit because Trump's crazy. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, Trump made good picks. He didn't make all the good picks. He made some pretty bad picks too. Rex Tillerson for you know Secretary of State. Ugh. Right. He has no experience in that. He's an oil guy. But okay, so Biden surrounds himself with some great people. And he has, and he has a young, vibrant, amazing. Uh, well, he claims will be a woman VP, a female VP. Okay, great, groundbreaking, amazing, good for you. What does that matter? You're the president. You are still the the figurehead of this country, and you can't talk correctly. Is your plan to just let your underlings do your bidding, and you just sit and look pretty for? for other figures of state to visit you and for uh, camera opportunities? What happens when something bad happens? Are you going to unite this country like George Bush did? George Bush didn't speak at a college level, but he sure was a man of the people. He knew how to speak to America, Republican or Democrat. It did not matter. And Biden can't do that. I don't want that man anywhere near the presidency. To make the opposing point, it kind of sounds a lot like what Trump's plan was when he got into office. Like, I'm just going to sit here and look pretty while I let everybody else do my job. 100% and that's I don't like Trump either I don't think (laughs) like this is why 2020 sucks we we start we start with unfortunately Kobe Bryant passes away in January terrible I I was I was torn up about that yeah and and then in February was it uh we were potentially going to war with Iraq or no Iran Iran, because of the nuclear uh scare and and then you missed the the fires in Australia too the fires in Australia yeah. Like rapture is happening in 2020 and we're all just like, you know, oh, I don't want to wear a mask. This, that's what we're fighting about right now. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. It, it's everyone's everyone's an expert listening to YouTube videos. And, and and now here's another YouTube video for you to be an expert on. But I I'm, my point is Biden's terrible. The Democrats have not learned a thing and they, they need to get their crap together to be a uh, a, a part of the. A, a part of the solution. They shouldn't be the only answer. The Republicans should not also be the only answer. It should be, a, uh, uh, if it's going to be two parties, the both parties need to band together and fix this in a compromising way with conversation and dialect and better rhetoric because Trump's rhetoric is shit too. Look at Twitter. So that's my final point. I'm just I'm going to keep rambling. 
I don't want to keep drinking whiskey. I I like the point you made about about having the conversation about about expanding what you believe by hearing other people's points. And I think this is a great avenue to do that. I think we set out, we even said like a year ago when we started putting this together that that's what we wanted to do was to have that conversation. And and I feel very honored that I can have that with you and I want to keep it going. So Well, absolutely. And I'll I'll be the first to admit that, you know, I have my opinions, but uh, it doesn't matter how many credentials I may or may not have or, or how much experience I may or may not have. You know, we all have a lot of of room to learn and grow, and I think having conversations like this and, and, and even letting myself spin my wheels on certain issues with you or with anybody else I might talk to, especially with a glass of uh, my favorite whiskey by my side, it helps. It helps for us to understand different issues in a different light, and this won't exclusively be politics. We'll talk about other things too, but absolutely, you know, allowing us to verbalize and, and kind of you know, look at ourselves in the mirror while we're doing that is, is so important. And I think if we can continue this amazing dialogue, it's an honor to have you here with me to do this. And I think this is going to be a great, great opportunity for us to make some, uh, make some conversation. <laughs> yeah. The Kogan conversation. Thank you so much. I, I am. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Yeah, You bet, man. I appreciate it. Uh, and for all you listening, I appreciate it. Uh, keep clicking on, uh, our podcasts as they come out. I, I really enjoy doing this with my buddies and uh, we hope to keep 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 going forward and, and making this grow as much as possible. Um, I won't bore you with any more spiels. I appreciate it. Visit and, our website. Yeah, and please visit our website, <laughs> uh, thekoganconvo.com. All right. I think that's, All right. That's, that's, that's a good place to leave it. All right, man. Thanks. I appreciate it. You take care. Absolutely. Yeah, you too, man. Mm-hmm.